Welcome back to the 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. My name is Wayne Kimmel, managing partner of 76 Capital, the sports tech venture capital company. On this show, I interview top sports entrepreneurs, athletes, and executives who are shaping and many times truly changing the world of sports. Today, we're going to talk about the casino industry and the future of iGaming and sports betting with Eric Hausler, the CEO of Parks Casino. Eric, welcome to the 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. Thanks, Wayne. Bill. Glad to be here. Eric, it's so awesome to have you on the show. Really excited to have you and and and, and to, to share with our audience, you know, and, and to talk about what you do as the CEO of Parks Casino and you know, and just all the the new and innovative things that you're doing across the casino industry, the iGaming world, as well as uh, sports betting. So let's kick it off with, you know, maybe share with our audience, you know, who is Parks Casino and, and what are some of the amazing things that are that are going on there today? Sure. Thanks, Wayne. We, um, you know, Parks Casino is uh, located in Pennsylvania. We are about 15 minutes north of Philadelphia, just as you cross into Bucks County. Um, Great location. Uh, we've got the casino here, uh, you know, over 3,000 slots, 140 or so table games, uh, a big event center, several restaurants. Um, and then uh, we've got the racetrack here. That was the legacy business the company started out. The DNA of the company was originally a racing company. Uh, and then when they passed enabling legislation for casinos in Pennsylvania, we, we got one of those licenses. Uh, and we've built the business since then. We're, we're currently the largest operator in Pennsylvania and uh, probably one of the larger private commercial companies, uh, on the, not certainly on the East Coast, but in, in the country as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have a variety of real estate holdings. Uh, we've got uh, an interactive division called Bet Parks uh, that, that we uh, launched a few years ago and uh, are growing that business. Uh, and then uh, we're building a new casino out in Shippensburg. Uh, Pennsylvania in the middle of the state here. And then we are in the process of uh, designing a hotel for this this place. It's amazing uh, given the size of the facility and the location uh, that we don't have a hotel product here. Uh, and so we're starting to work on that, but that's a few years out at that minimum. Well, it's an incredible property and I, I have to encourage our audience from all over the world that you have to come in and, and come to parks. I mean, it's, it's so interesting how you're almost equidistant from, you know, Philadelphia, as well as New York, you know, really a, a, a great location and just a really fun place to, to go. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's it's a it's a great asset. Um, I joined the company about two and a half years ago, uh, and it is uh, an impressive building. Uh, it's extraordinarily well maintained. It's a beautiful, beautiful facility. Uh, and you're right. We're, we're actually if you're driving from New York City, we're actually closer to New York City than Atlantic City is. Uh, you know, instead of jumping over to the parkway, you, you stay on the turnpike and then you don't, we're north of Philadelphia, so you never actually have to get into the real traffic of getting into the city of Philadelphia. And so I think it's, you know, I don't fool myself. I think we have one of the best locations and that certainly helps our success, but we also have a great team uh, who makes the maximum use of that location. Absolutely. Right, right off the turnpike. So it's re really, really simple way to get there. And look, you've done some amazing things. And I definitely want to get into some of your background and all the things that you've done across the casino and, and gaming industry. But one of the things that I, I just was super impressed and really you're a trailblazer and what you recently did with your partnership with Chickies and Pete's. And I'd love for you to share what 
this amazing partnership and what you guys are doing. I mean, you're the first in the country to to do what you did with with them. Why don't you share what you guys what you, what you did? Sure. I mean, we we opened a retail sports book um, out in uh, Malvern, Pennsylvania, which is a, which is a, a growing area a bit west of here. Uh, out in the suburbs west of Philadelphia, uh, alongside Chickie and Pete's, the, the restaurant chain. And we put a physical sports book into the restaurant. Uh, and we did that through, it's actually a sports and race book. You can bet uh, uh, sports and racing there. Uh, and we did that through some uh, OTB licenses that we have available in the Philadelphia region. Uh, we have another uh, physical sports book and race book down in South Philadelphia. Uh, you know, right off, right off of Broad Street there uh, that's been there for a long time. And we've got a few of these licenses that we've been trying to activate. And uh, it's a great partnership because, you know, they serve the food and beverage. We provide the wagering uh, and, and that experience. And it's a great sports bar experience. You go in. Uh, I think one of the things we're learning is people are so used to seeing, say, casino names on sports bars and stuff. They don't realize they can actually uh, punch a ticket with us and and cash it. You know, they can they initiate a ticket and cash it out, and we'll pay them on the spot. And uh, so it, we we've got some learnings from that, but it's a, it's a it's a very cool looking little facility out there. It's a it's an experiment, and there's a few things we'll learn and grow on as we put the next licenses to work. Well, I, you know, I just love what you did, and I just again I, I find it so innovative because you know it's the first you know, sports book that's inside of a, of a restaurant in a, in a suburban mall, um, shopping mall, right? I mean, like in a shopping center, like that, there's just no, there's no one else who has done this um, at this point um, around the country since PASPA has been overturned um, in 2018. So it's really interesting, as you said, you, I'm sure you'll, you'll learn a lot from that, from that experience. But the opportunity to, you know, for you to replicate that uh, in, in probably in better ways in the future, or even, I mean, look, it's, I, I love, you know, bringing my, you know, friends and family there. It's just a fun, it's a fun way to, to, to go and have some great food, but also, you know, have the, have the sports book in, literally in the. Yeah, it's, it's nice because you can just walk into the sports book and, you know, with $5 of cash and, and make a bet or whatever you want, or you can bet a better race in the middle of a horse race. Uh, and, and you don't have to be online and you don't have to have an online account. It's not real complex. And you just walk in, you can, there's always a teller there for you, or we have kiosks and you can bet right up, right, right on the kiosk as well. Uh, and, and there's a lot to learn. You're right. I think we'll see more of that across the country. We're starting to see some of it. So Ohio, for instance, uh, which recently legalized sports betting will have retail locations available. And I think you'll see a lot of that concept coming into play in Ohio where you have a restaurant or a sports bar that's that's paired up with uh, a retail sports book. Uh, in Pennsylvania, the only way you can do that is either in an existing incumbent casino or through these OTB licenses, which we have in a few of the other tracks in the state out. You know, as, as I said earlier, you, you've been in this in this game for, for a long time as an executive um, across many different organizations. And, you know, when you start to start to see, you know, What's your take right now on how sports betting and iGaming um, and kind of how it's the proliferation of it just in, in the last couple of years and how fast things have happened on the sports betting side with over you know 35 states and with iGaming is somewhere in five, six states right now. Where do you see this all going? I, I, I think we're at the beginning, of course. Um, I'm 
been around long enough, been around the industry long enough to remember riverboat gaming and the proliferation of riverboat gaming. And, you know, I think originally it's been a long time now, but I think in the 90s, it was originally Iowa was the first one in the Midwest and then Illinois and Missouri and, uh, you know, started filling in and you know, Mississippi was out there and then, and then Louisiana. I don't remember the exact order, but pretty soon all up and down the Mississippi River uh, had gaming and then, you know, other states filled in behind it. And I think sports is moving uh, at, at three times the pace that did the, the sports betting uh, in, in part because people have generally accepted gaming as a as a form of entertainment. Uh, and, the, you know, the worst case scenarios that everyone's talked about have not been proven out. Um, there's there's obviously, you know, some issues that you have to deal with. But um, for the most part, I think people find that when when the gaming comes into their neighborhood, we create good jobs. Uh, we're good corporate citizens. Uh, and um, and so it's proliferated easier through sports than it has in the past. And I think it's because a lot of states have had a pretty good experience with the with the casino industry in their state. So I think we're in the early stages. I mean, one of the things that as an industry we're going to have to figure out is uh, we have a business that, you know, retail business that is perfectly profitable. Uh, and the online business has, uh, for whatever reason, chosen to go very, very heavy on promotions to gain market share, to build, build your brand, whatever the case may be. But structurally, that's not a business that works uh, for any longer period of time. Uh, and so the industry is going to have to figure that out. And we're a participant in the industry and we'll be figuring it out along with everyone else. The business itself is inherently a good business. Uh, just right now, uh, the structure of it doesn't lend itself to uh, profitability. And you can see that in the P&Ls of the publicly traded companies. So when you look at, you know, what's what's happening today and, and kind of the the as, as more and more states have been following the lead of, of Pennsylvania and others, um, you're starting to see a real, um, almost like this, these partnerships between the sports leagues and teams and the, and the casinos and, and, and sports books. Uh, it's one of the things that I've noticed that I think has been one of the really interesting, successful things that you've been able to do within, within Pennsylvania in the relationship with a lot of the Philadelphia-based teams and how you're, and, and also just the, how you have this, um, you know, it just, it seems like it's the, it's, 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 it's your hometown casino. Like that's one of the things that in hometown um, book that you've been, you've been able to do. Um, what, are, what are some of the, you know, some of the, the ways that you've been able to do that? And I think it's just been, it's been amazing to see how you've done it. How, how have you done that? I, I think, I think some of it is we're, we're a big brand here in, in the market in Philadelphia and, and central, central and Southern New Jersey in particular. Um, and, and we've been able to leverage that brand and, and people recognize and, and they, they trust our brand. Uh, and, you know, when we've partnered with the sports teams, for instance, we have a partnership with the 76ers. Uh, we do some stuff with a lot of different sports teams uh, in the area. Uh, and and we, we leverage that relationship because uh, they're, they're, they're like minded people, people who watch sports. Some of them want to also wager on sports. And uh, we built a big retail sports book here at Parks. I know you've seen that, Wayne. And, uh, I would put that that retail sports book up, up against anything in the country. I mean, there's some there's some really great sports books out there, and I think one of ours is one of them. Uh, and and it's easy for us to host events. We do Sixers watch parties up here. We do, uh, you know, we try to find that merger between our our physical assets and our online properties, and then also what the sporting customer wants to do. Uh, and, and and I think we've been 
we're not where we want to be yet, but we've been successful. I think one of the other things that we've done, um, we recognize that having national sports talent in our social media group probably doesn't add a ton of value. And so what we focused on is bringing in people uh, who are local sports celebrities, that, that, that the local sports fan in Philadelphia is going to know. People that they've listened to on the radio, for instance, you know, we've had Dee Lyman do the Sixers for us and she's been around. She's been around the Sixers since I, since, you know, she was a kid uh, and knows basketball as well as anybody and knows the Sixers as well as anybody in the business. And those are the type of people we've brought in uh, to our sports media, uh, social media group to, to help us develop connections with the customers here in the local market. Uh, and, and we build that out piece by piece instead of going on a more national scale because Look, our customers care about what's going on in, you know, the Tennessee Titans, but but they really care about the Eagles. Uh, and 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 that localized sports content, I think, is important to them to differentiate, you know, who we are and reinforce our brand in the market. Well, I think you're you're um, you know, sort of the the opportunities that you've taken and, and how you've gone into the into the social media world with these local um, celebrities has been really interesting. Are there any, you know, maybe expand, expand upon that a little bit more. I mean, it's been just interesting to see, and it, it, it's not always about just sports. It's like you, you're able to really get to know these personalities on, on, a, on a personal basis as well. Yeah, I think one of the things, our, our, our personalities are, you know, they're touchable here because I think people can come into the building. Uh, you know, we do a lot with the radio stations. We do a lot of back and forth. Uh, and, and I think having the big physical asset is beneficial in this case because you know, one of the things you, you, you deal with online is how do you engage with and touch your customers? Uh, and and how, how do you develop an affinity for your brand? And, and, and what does that mean? And I still think that people want to be around other people. They want to socialize. Uh, sports by its nature is, is a social thing. And, you know, yeah, you sit around and watch the game by yourself. But more often than not, you're sitting around watching it with friends and, you know, other people in your life. Uh, and, and I think that's what our focus has been. Let's create fun content, uh, entertaining content, uh, you know, not as much, you know, thought provoking content when it comes to the hard sports stuff, uh, but, but also some fun, you know, so we'll send them down to outside the link or we'll go out to the Sixers or we'll go out to local college basketball uh, and some of our folks will go out there and film fun spots and, and you know, the, 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 our, our customers online and in person identify with that and say, oh, I know where they are. You know, I, I've seen that. You know, it was funny. I was, I was actually at the Coldplay concert a week ago, and there was a Bet Parks truck out there, you know, as I'm sitting in traffic, literally right next to me with a big, you know, LED screen on it, you know, circling around the parking lots. Uh, probably took them four hours to get there like everybody else. But, uh, you know, we, we try to be that, that local brand, uh, that regional brand. Uh, and, and develop the content around that. You know, when you look at the the industry today, I mean, you start thinking about like what what are some of the the next things that you think are gonna are gonna happen. I mean, you certainly at Parks, you you had this you know unbelievable physical facility. You guys are the the leading player in in this in, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You brought you come in with with sports betting. Um, you know both. Um, in the physical side as well as on the digital side, iGaming as well, and you're 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 leading, you know, in in that as well. Uh, what do you think? What's what's next? What's kind of coming down the road? You know, the road that you think would be really interesting, or maybe just ways that you're going to continue to to grow these current businesses. 
Well, we're, we're pushing the, we're pushing the brand, uh, both East and West. You know, we've introduced it into New Jersey recently with a relaunched product. Uh, we're moving into Indiana, Ohio, some of the states on our borders, Maryland, uh, we're rolling those out. And, and so what I think we're doing is we're, we recognize that we're, we're not a national brand, but we can build brand affinity across our borders and then just keep pushing, pushing West effectively westward. We're almost all the way on the East coast here, but. Uh, just keep pushing west and north and south uh, as we go and build our, our presence out that way. I think that, I think what what comes next for the industry is how do you really innovate sports? Uh, and I, obviously some of the companies that you're involved with and investing in are, are on the front edge of some of that stuff. How do you invest? You know, what what's next in sports and where does it all converge? I'm not sure I have that answer, but um, there's plenty of different places to go. You know, you've got media and sports converging. You've got the teams, as you mentioned. Uh, they're trying to figure out what their role is in all of this. And then there, of course, there's companies like us who are incumbent, you know, casino operators. I think we provide a certain level of stability and knowledge uh, about how to run a safe and effective wagering operation. Uh, safe being, you know, safe from crime and safe from, uh, you know, vulnerabilities and that type of stuff. And, and, you know, that, you know, when you deposit with us, your money is safe and, and that the games are, you know, well-regulated. And, and I think that's, a big piece of what companies like us bring to the table, but what what do other entities, you know, bring to this? In other states, you're starting to see some of the sports teams, like in Ohio, they're getting access to a license and they're partnering up with somebody, and um, you know, they want to they want to participate in some way. But it's also a fine line because you don't want to be so deep into uh, sports gambling that you create any appearance of a conflict. Well, Eric, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming onto our show and, I, and I'd love for, for you to share a little bit about, you know, your background, you know, in, in you know, how you be, have become, you know, now the CEO of, of Parks Casino and, you know, where did you get, where did you get started? And, and was this something that you always, you know, aspired to, to be um, in, in this industry? I sort of fell back into it, actually, Wayne. I, um, I, I had an opportunity to go to work for, it was at the time I was, I wasn't too far out of college. This was back in the mid to late nineties. Um, there was, there was a woman who was a gaming commissioner in Atlantic city, uh, and needed an assistant. I knew her from, from growing up. She was a former state Senator from my, from my district in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, she hired me to be effectively uh, her aide, Uh, and that's how I learned the casino business. Uh, and, you know, working for New Jersey, which is, a you know, one of the oldest regulatory and, and most well-regarded regulatory structures in the company uh, country, I, I learned a lot. Uh, and I wanted to go into finance and I went back and, you know, changed my skill set around. And at the time, New Jersey had a two-year holdout uh, where you couldn't go to work for a casino company that was licensed in New Jersey for two years if you left the gaming commission. And uh, that most of the big companies were in Atlantic City at the time. There were a few Vegas operators that weren't, but, uh, and, and so I wanted to go into finance and uh, I was fortunate. I got a job as an associate analyst on the equity research platform at Bear Stearns. Uh, and, um, you know, I spent seven years with a variety of firms there finishing up at Bear as a managing director uh, in fixed income research and trading, uh, covering gaming. So I was covering gaming, logic, leisure the whole time. Uh, then made the jump to the industry, and I think it was 06, right ahead of the right ahead of not the pandemic. That was this most recent one, but uh, right ahead of uh, the the financial meltdown. Uh, and um, you know, spent three years in Atlantic City, and then went on 
uh, to Isla Capri in the Midwest uh, as a strategy, uh, eventually got promoted to CFO and then CEO. Uh, and then we got a call from uh, Eldorado Resorts who said, hey, do you want to sell us your company? Um, and, you know, we ended up coming to a deal with Eldorado and selling the company. And uh, from there, I went to Vici, Vici Properties, which was being spun out of Caesars. Uh, we, we, there was, you know, a few of us who were appointed board members, but initially consultants into that spin. Uh, and so we formed uh, Vici Properties out of Caesars. It was spun. Um, we built that with a management team. There's, you know, a board and a great management team there. And I spent a couple of years there. And then I got a call to come over here uh, to go back full time. That was a board seat. Uh, and to come back here and go back to work full time. Uh, and Obviously, there was a conflict between me working for the biggest gaming REIT uh, and uh, actually being the CEO of an operating company. Uh, and so I, I had to resign my position at BG. But I walked in here in January of 20, uh, and we closed uh, in the middle of March of 20. And, uh, so I was on the job for about 45 days when it, when everything went, uh, went kind of crazy with the pandemic. So it's been an interesting run. But uh, I, I, I've been on most sides of the business at this point, the financial, regulatory, and operating. And, uh, it, the business has been good to me. It's been, it's been a good run and a lucky run, so I'm fortunate. So what's been your favorite part of the industry so far? I do like being in the operations. Um, I love working on Wall Street. Uh, that's, a, that's a different, that's a fun business. I mean, look, you're in, that, you're in the finance business and you, you know that, that's a, that's a great business. Um, but, but it was kind of a mile wide and an inch deep, you know, we covered 20 companies, 25 companies, you know, here, you know, you're, you're an inch, you know, inch wide and a mile deep. And, um, I like that level of the detail. I love learning about the operations, uh, the way the business, uh, kind of fits together and the dynamic of it. It's, it runs 24 hours a day. It's never, it's never, it's quiet, but it's never dull. Uh, and, um, and, and the proliferation of, of sports wagering and online, uh, is a, is a segment of the business that was, you know, popped up in the last couple of years. So, you, so you're always, you know, on your toes trying to learn new things and keep moving forward. Well, I, I'll never forget, you know, one of the first times we met, we were having, you know, Chinese food at that amazing restaurant in your, in, in your casino. And, uh, I've told so many people, I'm like, you just got to go have Chinese there. You won't believe it. And, um, you know, you, you said to me during the pandemic, um, especially at the, at the beginning, it was just, you know, all hands on deck, no matter what your title was, whatever your role was, you, you were in there getting your hands dirty, looking to, you know, help run the place and keep it safe. Um, what was that like, you know, during, during those times? It, it, it felt, um, I think every day you had to reimagine how you were going to operate uh, as, as, a, as a business leader. Um, it wasn't like you could pull something off the shelf and say, well, I did this before. Um, you know, you know we, we literally sat down. I'm, I'm extremely fortunate. We have an excellent operating team here and a, and a great group of people who, who really get along well. Uh, and I barely knew any of them. Uh, and all of a sudden, I'm saying, look, we're going to furlough 2,000 people and we're going to bring this building down. Uh, you know, and, and, and the rest of our assets too, this isn't our only asset, but the rest of our assets are closing too. And we need to figure this all out. And we all sat down and, uh, but, but powering back up was just as challenging because you, 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 you had to figure out what other companies were doing. And, and, and I think while we're all competitors in the industry, I, I talked to 
uh, I would routinely talk to the, the, the folks at Caesars and, 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 and our local guys down here at Rivers, Philadelphia, because we were all trying to figure it out. Um, you know, do you, how many restaurants do you bring up? What capacity do you have? What does this actually say that they're telling us we can do? Right. Uh, and then, <laughs> you know, I don't think any of us knew, so we were rewriting it all along. And that was the whole industry. Uh, and, and when we came back up, we were fortunate, you know, there's a big line of people who wanted to come in. They, they hadn't been out of their house in a while. Uh, and and um, we're, because we're private, I think we were able to do many things that, that other companies weren't. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, we never brought smoking back to the building. Uh, you know, we, we, we made a choice at the time when we reopened, we couldn't allow it. And then we just never brought it back. Uh, and I'm not making a value judgment about smoking one way or another. We thought it was in the best interest of our, of our team members and, and the rest to um, not bring the smoking back. And we said, well, we'll do this temporarily and see how it goes. You know, we're two years into it, two plus years into it, and it's gone just fine. Uh, and and um, the customers have been receptive to it. And our team members have been receptive to it. And, uh, so, so we kind of rewrote things as we went. Um, you know, we were fortunate that we were able to we have a you know great balance sheet here and we we're able to bring stuff up right away uh and and our goal immediately was to make it the best experience for our customers we could because we knew that they were hurting uh you know mentally they hadn't been outside and, and they really needed to escape uh their what, what what was a grind in their daily life uh and and i think we were fortunate we brought restaurants up we brought we couldn't bring entertainment back right away but we brought as many games up as we could. We brought as many people back to work as we could. And, and those were kind of the important criteria for us. So far, so good. That's really great. Are you still flipping burgers sometimes? I mean, I remember you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, they don't let me do a lot of stuff that I think I can do, actually, Wayne. There's, you know, the problem with you having really good technical people is they recognize that I'm not very technically competent at many things. Oh, no, that's, that's, I mean, look, it's, it's super impressive really to hear how, what, what you've done and, and how you were able to kind of take things down and bring them back up and do it the right way. And, and that, and that's really impressive. And I give, I give you a lot of credit for, for, for doing that. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, the having thousands of employees and an incredible, you know, um, you know, management team that you have, how do you, how do you motivate them every day to, to come in and want to, you know, because, you know, every day has got to be at, at the highest of levels, right? I mean, to make sure that your 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 clients and customers and, and players have that amazing experience every day. I mean, how do you get them fired up to come in and, and, and perform at the highest level? I, I, honestly, I think it starts with hiring the right people. Um, there's some people who are self-motivated. They just, they, and, and they have an, a disposition that they, they want to be helpful and they want to provide good service. And, and you, you, you don't, you, you can train them and you can lead them, but in the end, if you have the wrong people, it's not going to. And we spend a lot of time trying to find the right people. Uh, and, and their job downstairs or on any of our customer facing positions are far, far harder than mine. Because no matter what's going on in their personal lives, they have to come in here, put on a smile and provide good guest service. And that's extremely difficult. Uh, and, and the last two years for them has been extraordinarily difficult because the customers um, they're coming in and they're, they're ragged from their own lives and it's been extremely stressful and they're short tempered and they don't like wearing masks or they do like wearing masks, uh, and, and they don't like all the rules or they want the rules to go away. Uh, and so for our frontline staff, I think it's been a very, very challenging time. 
our job as leaders is to make sure they see us and we're visible and we're there alongside of them, recognizing that I'm not out there dealing cards or like you say, flipping burgers most nights, um, but it's important for them to see us as a leadership team. Uh, it's also important to feel like we have their back, uh, that, that we're looking out for them, uh, that we're taking care of them. Uh, you know, we, we pushed through raises when we realized that, that, that inflation was pushing well above what our, what our team members could sustain in their personal lives. And so we raised our base rates up to $18 an hour across every single non-tip position in the company. Uh, and, and we're a lot, you know, that takes a lot of pressure off people. And I, I think part of the balance of, of getting great people and, and, and keeping them motivated is making sure they feel like the company is willing to step in there too. Uh, and I think as a, as a group here, we built some goodwill during the pandemic. We paid people uh, for a, a good chunk of it for, for four weeks straight, we paid everybody and then we furloughed, but we paid all their health benefits while we were closed. When we closed again in December of 2020 for three weeks, we paid everybody straight up their regular wages uh, and didn't didn't furlough anybody at the time. And so I think I think as a company, we've done the right things where we can, um, including not bringing back the smoking. And then I think that's helped the team members feel like, OK, you know, it's not just take, take, take uh, the companies have the company's giving too. And, and that shows up in our customer service scores, which have been excellent. And that's really based on the service that our, our team members are providing people every day downstairs. It has really nothing to do with me. Uh, or, or, you know, our, our job is to make sure we get the good people and get out of the way and let them do their job. You know, I've been really fortunate to talk with a number of CEOs across the hospitality industry, the gaming industry. And, you know, it's, it's just interesting that, you know, all of you talk about your team and your people and making sure that you're you get the the best people and 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 that's that's what it's all about and you know so from from that perspective what is it like or what do you try to achieve when a a customer or a a, a client comes through the front door like what kind of how, how do you want to you know what do you want them to feel and what do you want them to what kind of experience do you want someone to have when they're they walk through the door of parks casino we talk a lot about this way. I mean, what we want is we want to exceed their expectations. Uh, and some of our customers come in a lot and they have high expectations. And our job, <coughs> excuse me, as a, as, a, as a group is to make sure we exceed those expectations. And so um, the building needs to be clean. Uh, it needs to feel safe. It needs to be safe. They need to feel, uh, there's nothing worse than being in a great restaurant and walking into the restroom and it's filthy. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it detracts from your leisure experience. And so when they walk in the door, we want to make it as seamless a leisure experience as possible. And, and we recognize that we're not perfect at it, uh, that, that there's breakdowns and, and things don't go well. But for the most part, uh, we want them to feel relaxed with us. We want them to feel safe. We want them to feel the building's clean. We want to feel they get good service when they come in uh, and, and that, that they're not ignored or missed. Um, because I think that's important to people. I think our industry does, in general, a good job of, of recognizing and valuing customers, you know, through our affinity programs and all of that that we do as an industry. But those are the important, important benchmarks for us. I mean, it's, it's very, very simple, but it's extraordinarily hard to get right. Uh, and, and it doesn't take much uh, to fail on any of those counts. You know, you, you've, you've worked at a number of different 
you know, large organizations uh, across the, the industry. Were there other CEOs or executives that you, you're sort of modeling what you're doing now as the CEO of Parks Casino and that you, were you, that you looked up to, or there's certain people that you have, maybe it was a mentor, maybe it was someone that he said, wow, I want to be like that person and, and, you know, run my, run my company when I'm the CEO like that. Yeah. I've had a lot of great people. Um, and, and I, I think I'm fortunate in the sense that I never feel like, and, and not only above me, but, but, you know, reporting to me as well. Uh, in the sense that, that we should all learn, we can all learn from each other. Uh, my first boss at the Casino Control Commission, New Jersey, uh, was a woman named Leanna Brown. She passed away, a uh, very highly regarded uh, senator, first woman Republican senator in the state of New Jersey, a real trailblazer. She used to say, you have to see everybody. Uh, you, you need to see everybody. And that meant you saw, you need to, you know, you just can't, you know, zero in on, on who you want or how you climb the ladder, you really need to see everybody. And that means everybody in the organization and, and across all races, color, creed, you know, backgrounds that, that you've got to see and treat everybody fairly. And, and uh, it took me a long time to really, really understand what she meant, but I think I get it now. Um, and then, you know, my first, the first CEO who hired me was Jim Perry, who used to be the CEO of Argosy Gaming. Uh, he hired me into the industry. Uh, and, um, you know, and Virginia McDowell, who was the CEO at Isle of Capri before I was, before I got promoted to CEO, she was, she was my boss and have, and was for several years. And they came from a hardcore service culture, uh, and, and drilled those values of, you know, clean and safe and friendly, you know, where this, you know, clean, safe, friendly, and fun were, were, were the mottos of both Argosy and Isle of Capri in different ways. Uh, and you learn that stuff over the years, but you also see them in that position where, uh, you know, they, they're, they're leaders, but they're also listeners and, and, and constantly learning and evolving, uh, you know, as, as a leader is, is, is important because the business is always changing. So I'd say those three people had a huge influence on me in my career. Yeah, absolutely. That's really amazing. And again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and, and, and come onto our 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. We're so excited to, to have this this opportunity to to work with you to learn from you to hear from you know your whole team watch what you guys are doing i think it's really an incredible story love to hear about you know the growth that you shared with us that's going to be happening with parks casino across the country north south east and west um it's that's that's amazing it's amazing and i certainly wish you the best of luck and uh hopefully we'll get to do a lot of things together in, in the future I appreciate it, Wayne. Thank you so much for having me. It was, uh, it was great to be here and uh, enjoy the dialogue. This was great. Well, thanks a lot and hope that everyone has, has a great day. Thanks.